Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Um, we're finishing with the book of James, chapter 1. Not the book, but chapter 1. And isn't that exciting that we've got to the end of chapter 1. In fact, this is a two-part sermon. And it's not that I'm doing two parts. I'm doing part one today. Jared's doing part two next week. And then I'll go to Hartis and do my part one and Hartis part two. And then we finish with chapter one. And then I think we're going to chapter two. That would be logical, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So um, that's where we're heading. Just before we start, let me just tell you, Rudolf and Carol are in Mozambique. And uh, please pray for them because they are ministering in the church there uh, in Mozambique. And they're also visiting a missionary that we're looking to partner with kind of in the central parts of Mozambique. So pray for them while they're away this week. Last one is that the Alpha course, we do need volunteers. So we need a whole bunch of volunteers, people that will help facilitate, people that will help welcoming, all those kind of things. If you're interested in getting involved with, with serving at the, at the Alpha course, please would you just sign up at the back there, just right there. I would like to be involved in Alpha, and uh, we'll get hold of you and try and get you connected to the, to the course. Okay, so... Let's get going. For me to carry on where we were, I need to go back. And I want to just get back into the context of chapter one because it's important because the whole of the chapter actually hinges together. So um, if you can turn in your Bible to James chapter one, I'll be referring to the verses. I'm not going to be reading them because then we'll be a long time and you're going to miss the end of the rugby apparently. Um, so we're going to just, just go through them. I'll, I'll give you the references. So in James chapter 1, it starts off there in verse 2, and it says, consider it pure joy. And we've covered that, that you know, trials come, and um, it's inevitable, but our attitude to our trials should be this, that it's joyful. Isn't it exciting? Yes, all the difficulties in life. We should wake up in the morning with a spring in our step and go, yeah, I'm full of joy. But the point is, is that what James is making is that these trials come, and you know what? They actually build our faith. And so they're good for us. They're really good for us. And we should have that attitude. And then he carries on into verse 5. And he begins to say that, you know what, you're not alone in your trial. You're not in a space where you don't know what to do. All you need to do is when you're going through a difficult time or when life doesn't make sense or when you're confused or overwhelmed or whatever the situation may be, all you need to do is ask God for wisdom. And guess what he does? He graciously and generously gives it to you. But there's a catch. Once God gives you the wisdom, he expects you to do the wisdom. Because if you don't do the wisdom, your life is going to be unstable, and you're going to be tossed from side to side. But if you do the wisdom, you'll find stability through your challenges in life. Isn't that exciting? You see, the question is, what is this wisdom? And that's why I needed to get to the context because it, this is where it builds. The Bible tells us in Hebrew chapter 1 that in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets. But today, he speaks to us through his son. What does that mean? It means in the past, they didn't have the written word. It means in the past, they, the, the authoritative word was the prophetic word. But today, the authoritative word is your Bible. And so when God speaks, he speaks through the Bible. He does also speak through the giftings, but predominantly through the word of God. And then in, in, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we understand that there's the, the living Word, Jesus Christ, who abides and embodied in the written Word, the Word of God. 
And John chapter 14 tells us that the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. And what does that mean? It means that when I call and I'm looking for truth, the Holy Spirit's going to take me where? Back to the Word of God. So when you're going through your trial, when you're going through a difficult time, and you don't know what to do, and you need answers for life, and you're just overwhelmed, what do you do? You go to the Word of God, and if you cry out to God for wisdom, He's going to take you predominantly back to His Word to give you wisdom for your situation. But then in verse 13, James starts to pick up where the, problem, where the problems come. You know with every trial comes temptation. Let me give you an example. So I might be going through a trial of finances. My finances are dried up, I'm struggling, I'm battling, and I'm going to be tempted to do certain things that I not normally would do, like cheat on my tax return. It may cross my mind because I'm now in a trial. And instead of trusting God, I'm now looking for ways to get myself out of the trial. I'm trusting my own wisdom. Maybe, you, maybe it's, you know, what I love is that when you get, I learned this lesson in the workplace, very young. When my boss said to me, have you done the work? I said, of course I have, but I hadn't. And I lied, and he caught me out, and I learned that day, you tell the truth. But isn't it when you're under pressure and there's a trial, there's always temptation? There's always temptation not to trust God but to do it our own way. And so then James starts to unpack four things. He starts to tell us that when we're dealing, when we find ourselves not with this dilemma of trusting God or doing it our own way, there's four things we must remember. The first one is that temptation and the source of temptation is me. It's not from God. I'm the problem. Because I want my way. I want to do it my way. I want my desires fulfilled. And so even though I get the truth from God's word, there's this temptation to do it my way. And so he encourages us to get a good understanding that temptation is not from God. When you're being tempted, it's because you and me, we are looking for ways out, outside of the truth of God. The second thing he picks up in verse 17, and Rudolf preached on it, was that we must always remember that even if, if we don't have answers and life's overwhelming and there's going through trials and all these kind of things, that God is fundamentally good. That he's good. That he's not punishing you. That he's able to take the circumstance and bring good out of it because that's the God we serve. But then he moves on to verse 18 and he gives us the third point and he says, the third thing we must remember when we're in this dilemma of decision between obeying the word of God or doing it my own way is that we must remember we are new creations. We are, f- he's the first fruit of Christ. What should that remind us of? It should remind us that we are overcomers of sin. That we are no longer bound by sin, but we have victory over it. And then he picks up on the fourth point, is what we're going to be unpacking today, is that the word of God is the thing that brings stability and blessing and a harvest in your circumstances. It's the word of God. And not just hearing the word of God, but receiving the word of God and doing the word of God. And that's where we're going this morning. So, it's, it's safe to say this. The trials are part of life. And every time there's a trial, there's a temptation. And when I've called to God, say, God, give me wisdom. And God takes me to the truth of his word. There's the temptation that I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to do my own thing. That is what James is, is getting at you. 
And what James is telling us is he's telling us that when we start to cry out, God's going to take us to the word, predominantly to the word. I'm not saying there'll never be a word in season through the gifts. They do come. But if we rely on that, that's, in, that's, not, that's fallible. The infallible word is the Bible. And so we can't rely on all the prophetic words, all that. We have to rely, yeah, because this is the infallible word of God. Those just confirm what God's saying. And he's saying that's where God's going to take you. And just the problem, that every time God brings wisdom into your life through his word, you and I sit at a crossroads of whether we will obey. Every single time. Every time that you go to God and say, God, help me in my marriage, and he takes you to love your wife like Christ loved the church, there comes a crossroads to, will I obey? Or am I going to look for another wife? And that's it what I think James is trying to help us with. I think he's trying to show us the power of God's word. I think he uses this analogy of a boat on the sea. And he's saying to us that, you know what, that's what it feels like when you're going through a trial, when you're going through, through a situation that's overwhelming, when you don't know what to, it feels a bit disorientating. But you know what's gonna orientate you? Is when you ask God for the wisdom and you do it. It will orientate you and it'll take you through it. But if you ask God and he gives you the wisdom and you don't do it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be unstable in all your ways. You know how I think it works? I think when you ask God, God, help me, what should I do? And God tells you what to do. It's one thing, he tells you what to do. He gives you a pathway. But when I go to five of my closest friends, I ask Jock, and Jock gives me that pathway. And I ask Christo, and he gives me that pathway. And then I carry on, and I carry on. And, and you know what? By the end of the day, I've tried all these pathways, and if something works, I don't know what it is. And I'm unstable in all my ways. Lee was telling me the other day, she did some fitness thing, and they had to run over a pool, and they put these um, pallets down. And she said to me, you know what, Dad? I think that they told me the only thing you must do is run as fast as you can over this and you won't sink, you'll just go straight over. So she came back and she said that's what she did. And while I was thinking about this, I thought that's the picture that was in my heart. Is that, you know what, when we are looking for answers, when we are saying, God, please give me wisdom, when we're saying, God, please lead me, please direct me, he gives you a path. And all he wants you to do is run as quickly as you can along that path and you'll get through to the other side. But our temptation is to go, well, what happens if I get halfway and it stops? Uh, what happens if I can be like Jesus and actually run on the water? What happens if I just do this? What happens if I just do that? And guess what happens? We sink. Instead of just listening to the direction of the word of God and going as quick as we can across that path. James tells us this. In fact, he instructs us to do this. To allow the Bible, the word of God, to have its rightful place in our lives. There's a couple of questions I need to start with this morning. The first one is this, how's your relationship with the Bible? What role does the Bible play in your life? How much transformational power does the Bible have in your life? Do you read the Bible as to tick off your spiritual duty? Or do you read the Bible to control and direct your thinking and your doing? Lifeway Research Company did some research on believers, and this is what they found, that 20% of believers who come to church on a regular basis read their Bible every day, one in five. 
they found that 25% of people read their Bible more than once a week. Not too bad. 40% of people that attend church only read their Bible once or twice a month. And 15% never. They only hear the Word of God when they come to church. All right. Here's the question. If James is teaching us that it's the Word of God and obedience to the Word of God that brings stability through the challenges of life and through the overwhelm- things that are overwhelming and the trials that we face, how are you ever going to find stability if you don't hear it? How are we ever going to find the rock to build our lives upon if we just never spend time in it? I was thinking about that a lot this week. And I thought, I wonder if a lot of our poor decisions and the trouble we find ourselves in is just simply because instead of going to God for wisdom and listening to Him, receiving it and doing it, our lives are predominantly dictated to by media, by our friends, and by the wisdom of this world. You see, James warns us. He says that's deceptive. We deceive ourselves when we do that. We only find blessing and harvest and prosperity and success when we actually listen, receive, and do. And so let's, let's look at that a little bit. Here's something interesting I picked up on. I was reading an article to say that Christians are bored with the Bible. And, and here's, here's what they, they concluded. They said that in this world today, in this digital age, everything changes rapidly. You know, I, um, if I had to go onto Instagram, I can see Leon had a milkshake at 11 o'clock. And then him and Candy were at uh, Happy Island at 12 o'clock down the slide. And then I can see at 4 o'clock they had lunch at Mozambique. And, you know, so when I start to engage with this world I live in, everything changes all the time. You go, Twitter feeds all the time. You know, you go into News 24, it's news, news all the time. But when you get to the Bible, guess what? It's the same. You're going to read the same passage. And it's going to say the same thing. And that's what the conclusion they're making. They're saying, as believers, we are so bored with the Bible because we're in this world where everything changes, and so we find it boring. But that's, not, that's because we're not letting the life of the Bible transform our lives. It's become a religious duty that we tick off to say, I've read my Bible. Instead of listening to what the Word teaches and, and allowing the Word to transform us and make us alive. James, in verse 19, picks up and he says the following. Know this. My beloved brothers, what are we supposed to know? There's three things, there's three imperatives, there's three commands he gives in this portion of scripture. Let every person be quick to hear. Let every person be quick to hear. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And he has the second command. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls he has the third command but be doers of the word and not just hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man who looks intently into his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts He will be blessed in his doing. How many times do we pray, God, would you bless me? 
God, would you bless my day? God, would you bless my family? God, would you bless this? Would you bless this? God, I, we need your blessing. You know what I love about what James is teaching here? Is that there's blessing linked to obedience. If you want blessing in your life, obey God's word. It comes naturally. It's part of the deal. Verse 19, he says, be quick to hear. What are you supposed to be hearing? That's the first question. Well, verse 22 tells us. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So it's very clear from the context that what he's telling us to do, what he's commanding us to do is to hear the word of God. Clear. But what does he say? He says, be quick to hear the word of God. You know, when you're going through a trial, when you're needing answers, when you're crying out to God, God, help me, give me wisdom. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have the answers. You know what the Bible says we should do in those circumstances? We should be quick to get ourselves into a position to be able to hear the word of God. I thought to myself, I wonder how quick I am. I realized I wasn't too quick. I realized that I'm quick to go to other places, not always quick to go to the word. I think our attitude should be the following. Every time we have a need, every time we need an answer, every time we need guidance and direction, we should say, I am quickly gonna go to the word to find out what I need to do, yeah? I'm quickly gonna go to the word to find out what I need to do, yeah? Not only must we move quickly, but it tells us to also hear. Now, that seems very obvious. But I want to say to you that what he's, the point he's making is that it's equally, it, there's two important things here. One is be quick to go to the word. And secondly is hear the word. The picture of this sentence is of a son sitting at, a father, at his father's feet. Imagine when, if a son goes to his dad and says, Dad, I need your advice on something. And he sits down and he listens. That's the picture of this verse. You see, what James is telling us is that we need to be careful, attentive listeners, hearing what God is saying to us through his word. Our problem is, is that often the word of God is the last place that we go to. Secondly, I found in my life too that one of the things I like to do is to go to the word to try and confirm what I want to do. Instead of allowing the word to tell me what I should do. You see, there's three ways that we hear. The first one is that we don't hear. <laughs> And you may say to me, Nick, but that surely is just um, unbelievers. I'll get to it later and show you that sometimes we just don't hear. The second one is we hear, but we don't understand. James tells us that the person looks in the mirror and he walks away and he forgets. How many times, Leon, have you been speaking to Candy and you had to say to her, Candy, what did I just say? Yeah, 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 many times, yeah. Because was she listening? Leon, was she listening? You were, she heard you, but she wasn't listening. Yeah, you see, we've all experienced that. We do that. You know, and we do that to the word of God. We will read it. And how many times do you read it and you put it down and as you leave the door, you go, I don't quite know what I read this morning. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what the Bible, what it was about. Because I'm hearing the word, but I'm not listening. Jesus tells the Pharisees that that's what they were like. 
He says in Matthew 13, 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. James is warning us that it's possible that you and I get into patterns where we do hear the word of God, but we actually do it as a religious duty, as a tick off, but we don't allow the word of God to sink in and to transform us. So we hear it, but we don't understand it. We come to church and we listen to sermons. And how many times, I know many times it's happened to me, to be sitting at lunch and somebody would say, what was the sermon about? I'd say, no, it was a good sermon. What was it about? Um, I think it was about James. You know? Because I was hearing, but I wasn't understanding. Let me tell you, quite frankly, this morning, with all the love of that will bring no change to your life. There is no power in that. That is not going to do any difference to you. And that's what Paul, I mean James, is getting at. The third thing is that we're here to understand. And that simply means that when I put myself in a position to hear the word of God, whether it's through the reading of the word or through good biblical teaching, my intention is to let, I want to understand it so that it will transform me. It will change the way I think. It will change the way I act. It will change my emotion. It will change me. I want to be attentive to the word of God. James tells us that we should be quick to do this. That we should look for every opportunity to hear and understand the word of God. Let me tell you, let me give you an example. I believe how this works. You think of a, a situation that you're going through right now where you're saying, God, I need answers. I need an answer. I, I don't know what to do. But please, would you give me wisdom? Now, when you pray that prayer, know this that you should be quick to go to the Word. So don't pray it and go to bed. Pray it and go and Google how do I deal with anxiety verses. And it'll give you 20 and you read through them and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me. That's what you should do. But when you do that, listen to what the word says. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So when I hear the word, what happens in me? Faith builds. We often think that faith builds because of what we do. No, faith often builds because of what we hear. And what we're hearing is the word of God. So, so when I turn to the word of God for the circumstance that I'm dealing with, and I start to read it and it starts to tell me about, about what I should be doing, guess what's going to build in you? Faith. Faith's going to build in you. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the insurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things to be seen. So Hebrews 11, 1 tells us what faith is. It's an insur- assurance. It means a guaranteed agreement. It means a guarantee like a title deed. So what does that mean? It means that if you've got a title deed, you may never have seen the house, you may live in a different country, you may not even know what the address is, but this you do know. You possess it. It's yours. Okay, so what's the point? That as our faith builds, we more and more begin to realize we possess the promises of God. That everything that God has said he'll do, he will do, and that's yours 
in Christ Jesus. And the more and more you start to get into God's word and you start to read about your circumstance and your situation, faith builds, this possession of the promise begins to build and what's the result of it? Hope. Not despair. Not anxiety. Not sleepless nights. Not anger and frustration. Hope. Because you know that God is faithful and he's faithful to do what he said he'll do. And so there's the power of God's word. And so as we dig into it, I remember when I was in, uh, in uh, when I worked uh, corporately, man, I had a terrible boss. Oh, man, that was terrible. I would hate, I hated going to work. And um, I was thinking of every way to make a chair explode. And I just, it was terrible. And one day I went before the Lord and said, Lord, I can't deal with this. It's every day of my life. I have to deal with the situation. And God took me to 1 Peter. Oh. You know what 1 Peter says? It says this, work unto the Lord. Even if your, your master is evil, <laughs> oh. honor God. Don't just do good to the good one, but also to the evil one. Oh, man. There I sat at the crossroads. Do I live this wisdom God's just given me? Do I say, no ways, Lord, I can't do it. Give me a time bomb. But I did. I said, Lord, no, I'll do this. Let me tell you, it transformed my, my, my work life. It did. I started to realize that I don't work for, I work for a boss. I'm a, I mean, I understand um, submission, but I work for God. So whether my boss is at work or not at work, I do the same work, it doesn't matter because my God never sleeps. And I know promotion comes from my God. And let me tell you, I was so blessed in the workplace. I was, far more than I think I deserved. But I think it was this, because when you ask for the Lord to guide you and he gives you his word and you do his word, blessing comes. Blessing comes. The third imperative, or the second imperative was this, receive. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So James is telling us, get yourself into spaces where you can hear the word. And then he says, now when you hear the word, receive it. What does that mean? It just means that it drops into your heart and it starts to impact your decisions, it starts to control your direction, and it starts to give you direction. There you're receiving it. But what's interesting here is that he picks up on three things that I think are barriers to us receiving the word of God in our lives. The first one is filthiness. Now filthiness simply means dirty rags. But the interesting thing about this word is that it's so closely related to the word that means the same as there's wax in your ears. Now think of what, what, what James is saying here. He's saying filthiness is like wax in your ears. What happens when you've got wax in your ears? You don't hear properly. So how does this look like in our lives? You know that when we are trying to legitimize, legitimize our sin, it doesn't matter how much you will hear the word, you just won't hear it. You know, when I deal with people who are sleeping together, for example, before marriage, doesn't matter how many times you tell them it's wrong. They just don't hear it. Because there's wax in their ears. 
And what James is telling us is that, you know what, if you want the word of God to have power in your life, get the wax out of your ears and deal with the filthiness. Because it's the filthiness that's making you not hear properly. The second one is wickedness, which is a much stronger word. Wickedness simply just means a willful and a de- deliberate decision not to do something. I think of, uh, <laughs> always think of Jock because uh, he does all the marriages, but I remember a lady once telling me, I don't care what the Bible says, I am getting divorced. That's wickedness. Because you know the truth. The truth has come to you. But you deliberately and willfully say, I will not do that. I will not forgive. It doesn't matter how much you hear the word of God. When your heart is there, it will never, you'll never receive it. It will never get into your heart and transform you because there's wickedness that needs to be dealt with. Third thing he says is meekness. He says that meekness is important because I'm going to come from it from the opposite side. A lack of meekness is a barrier to the word transforming your lives. Because meekness simply means to be teachable. It means to, be, to gentle, be gentle. Now a lot of times if our heart is like the stone, hard, unteachable, don't want to listen. And the word of God comes to you in a shape. Doesn't matter how much you try, you will never turn into the shape that the word wants you to be. Because your heart is too hard and you're not meek. But if you've got a meek heart, a soft heart, a gentle heart that is eager to hear what God is saying to you, then, that, then you can just put the shape over there and you can put a little bit of prayer because it takes a bit of work. And when I take it out, it looks exactly the same. And you're being transformed into the image of Christ. You see, there's the power of the word. And so he, he presents these three barriers. And I want to say to you this morning, I want to ask you, are these barriers anywhere in your life? Because if they are, this is what's going to happen. They're going to make you unstable and rob you of a blessing. They're going to make you unstable and rob you of a blessing. James tells us that this word is implanted in us and he gives us this picture of a farmer with seed. And, and, and when you think of that, you have to go to Matthew chapter 13. The sower, the parable of the sower. And there's just one point that I need to make with this as I just quickly go through it. You see, the, 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 the sower takes the seed and he sows the seed. And the Bible says that the seed firstly drops along the, the, the side of a road where it's very hard. And so... The, the soil is like this. It can't receive anything. The Bible says that very quickly um, a bird comes and takes a seed and it adds no value to that person's life. Now, now a lot of times we may say, well, that's an unbeliever. Well, I think it's us. I think it's when we read the Bible and walk out and don't know what it said. I think it's when we come to church and we go, to, go have lunch and we have no clue what the Spirit of God was saying to us this morning. I think that's what that looks like. The second one is this. He says that it fell on shallow ground. So it did receive the word. It heard the word. It did receive the word. But because it didn't find depth and roots, it's quickly dried. What does that look like? How many times have we heard God speak? And it only lasted two weeks. And we're back to our old ways. Because it did, did receive it. 
but it, you didn't allow it to just find its root in you. And before you know it, it's gone. The third is a seed that he says it, it falls on soil, but there's weeds in the soil, and so they all grow together. But those weeds are so strong. I don't know how weeds are so strong, but they are. And so it kills him. You know, I think sometimes it looks, that's what this looks like in our lives is, is when we do receive the word. And it does start to bear fruit. But we're so busy and full of other stuff, weeds in our lives, that those other stuff just take over everything. And the harvest that God has for you dies. And then he says, here we go, here's the right one. The seed falls into the good soil. And it grows and there's a harvest that comes from it. What's the point? The point is that the seed never changed. It was the soil that was different. That means that you and I are all going to get the same seed. But the outcome of that seed in our lives is going to depend on our hearts and how we receive it. That's all it's going to depend on. It's not that I get a special seed. We get the same seed. But our heart, our reception of that seed is different. We need to receive it. Do it. And then the harvest comes. The third imperative was this do. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if any one of you, uh, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all he's doing. I think that James now concludes just what he's been teaching through this picture. So he's saying to us that we should be hearers of the word. We should be quick to get the word into our lives. We should be quick to understand what the word is telling us in the circle, what we should do, the wisdom of God. We should be quick to run there. But then, once we've heard it, we must receive it and must find a space in our hearts that it actually brings a harvest. And that harvest and that receiving, it's outworking, is that it doesn't just sit there, but I actually do it. There comes the blessing. There comes the harvest. There comes the success. You see, what I love about this analogy is that both people looked, at the, looked into the mirror intently. But the one walked away and forgot what he looked like. And the other one walked away and did what he saw and heard. So it's possible that you and I can intently look into the word of God. It's possible that we can go, God, give me the answers. But we must be very careful that when we get those answers that we actually do them. Because if you don't, you are deceiving yourself. Because then we are thinking that we're religious, but we aren't. We're just puffing ourselves up with knowledge. And we're not letting the transformational power of God bring a harvest and prosperity and blessing into your life by doing it. This picture of the mirror, you must remember that they didn't have mirrors in those days. It was just brass that was polished. And so a quick glance, you wouldn't see much, which was fantastic for some of us. Woo, okay, looking good. You actually had to take the mirror and you had to find sunlight and you had to get it at the right angle and at the right angle you'd get a better picture. And I love that because it tells me how intently I should be looking into the word of God. 
And then it's a mirror. You know what it reflects? It reflects the things that I need to fix and change. And when it reflects the change, I need to go and do the change. That's what he's saying. Because God said to Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 8, he said, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here's the biblical principle. With obedience comes blessing. If you need a blessing through your trial, through your situation, where you're overwhelmed, where you don't know what to do, and you're saying, God, I need a blessing through this, go to the word of God. Be quick to hear it. Understand what God is saying that you should do according to his word. Do it, and guess what's gonna happen? You will find prosperity, success, a harvest, blessing. But we don't often get that, why? Because we don't often put the word into practice. And we rob ourselves of all the blessing that God has for us. I want you to just understand one principle from James chapter one, Joshua chapter 1. At the back end he says, For then you will make your way prosperous. You know, it was interesting that he didn't say, I will make your way prosperous. Because he wants to make your way prosperous. It's a given. It's what the Bible teaches that God wants to bless us, that God is good to us, that God is kind to us, that God loves us, that he's for us, not against us. But there's a principle that unlocks that, and that's obedience to his word. And every time I don't do that, I rob myself. Thought that God's withholding it. There's a natural principle in place here. I rob myself of all that blessing because I'm not obedient. The only way to be blessed and to be prosperous in life is through the faithful study and application of God's word, to meditate on it day and night, and to be careful to do according to all that is written in it. As I wrote that, a thought came into my mind. Nick, I wonder what your life would be like if you loved the Bible as much as your cell phone. And I thought, sure, Lord, that's a bit tough, eh? Because I'm not sure if I love my cell phone, but I give it a lot of attention. And a lot that comes through that phone directs my life. And I thought, Lord, please help me. Every day I have a visible representation of what your word should be. I should be going to it. Every time I pick up my phone and going, oh, let me go and see. I should be going, oh, let me go and rather read the Bible. Let me go and see what God says about this thing. And uh, so it was a bit of a, a rebuke. But um, I'm hearing what the Lord's saying. I want to conclude with two stories this morning which emphasize the point. The one is a parable from Jesus and the other one is, is the psalm. Jesus in Matthew 7 tells us a parable about the foolish and the wise builder. Now listen to how it parallels what James is teaching. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. You see, if you build your life 
on the word of God. It doesn't matter what trials, what, what comes. It doesn't matter. You're going to have stability. You're going to get through it. There's a harvest with it. There's blessing to it. But if you don't, if you're the foolish man, and everyone who hears the word of mine and does not do it, he's like a fool. A man who builds his house on the sand and the rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow and it beats against the house and it fell and great was its fall. It's like a man who's being tossed from side to side by the waves and the winds of the sea. Here's God's invitation to us. God wants blessing for us. God wants prosperity for us. I'm not just talking money, I'm just prosperity, prosper us. He wants us to be successful in life. But the thing that unlocks that is this. Not just hearing it, not just trying to understand it, but actually once you understand it, to do it, there's its power, the word of God. The psalmist puts it like this, blessed is the man who does not walk around in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on the Lord day and night. Listen to what he's like. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all he, that he does, he prospers. So here we have three different stories. Actually four. We have Jesus telling us that if you do the word, you will build your house on a rock and it doesn't matter what life brings, you will stand through it. You have James telling us that you know what, if we're facing trials and difficult times, we don't know what to do and it feels like we're on this ocean of disorient and we're disorientated, the thing that will bring you stability through it is the word and doing the word. Then we have the parable of the seeds that tells us when I receive the word and I do it, a harvest comes. And then the last one here is the, the man in Psalms. He says that when I meditate on the word and I do the word, man, I'm like a tree that prospers alongside a stream and it yields its fruit in its season and its leaves never wither and he is prosperous in all he does. Man, you know what struck me as I prepared? I'm my own problem. I am my own problem. The word is so clear about the blessing that's associated to obedience. But I need to remove those barriers. And I need to become quick to get to the word. I need to become quick to understand what he's saying to me. And I need to have a receptive heart. I need to do it. Because why wouldn't I want to be these things that the Bible is telling me I can be? If I just was obedient to the word. So, let's go back to those questions at the end. How is your relationship with the Word of God, with the Bible? What role does the Bible play in your life? How much transformational power does the Bible have in your life? Do you read it simply as a spiritual tick-off? Or do you read it so it can control and direct your thinking and doing? And if we do read it, like James encourages us, as hearers, as receivers and as doers. I want to say to you emphatically this morning, the Bible teaches associated with that is blessing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.